Big Buck Registries, Big Buck Podcast, episode number 51. Drury Outdoors with special guest Matt Drury. Big Buck Registry is a virtual museum of hunting stories. We preserve a piece of Americana by interviewing and recording hunters about their hunts and experiences from across the country. And who knows, maybe we'll learn a thing or two along the way that'll help us take our hunt to the next level. Hey, this is Doug Castrava from the Horny Buck Seed Company, and you're listening to my favorite podcast on iTunes, the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Podcast. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is your host, Jay Scott, and it is a pleasure to have you back here listening with us and uh, tuning in to the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Podcast. Very special guest on the show today, and uh, looking forward to getting to that content. But first, I just want to run down a couple things. Dusty is on assignment right now. He's trying to track down some future guests. And I wanted to let you know about the Horny Buck Seed giveaway that we're still doing. If you go to www.bigbuckregistry.com forward slash Horny Buck Seed, that is H-O-R-N-Y Buck, B-U-C-K, Seed, S-E-E-D. You will see a registration page, and you can enter to win a T-shirt and a half acre worth of seed. So uh, if you're interested, the contest ends on June 30th. We'll draw a random winner from the people who have entered into the contest. So good luck. Uh, a couple other things. If you would like to call the show for feedback, call 724-613-2825. You can also text in a buck picture there. Uh, if you would like to submit a picture to the Big Buck Registry, we have a new site or a new place to do that. And that is www.bigbuckregistry.com forward slash my buck, M-Y-B-U-C-K, bigbuckregistry.com forward slash my buck. And you'll have all the instructions right there. But basically what we're looking for is a picture of you and the buck and the state of harvest and your name. And if you could do that, you have a very good chance of getting on our wall of fame. One new thing that has happened this week, we have launched an Android app to listen to the Big Buck Registry. And you can go to bigbuckregistry.com forward slash Android if you have like a Google phone or an Android phone of any sort. If you would like to follow us and uh, know what's, what's happening, where we're going, what we're doing, you can register at the Hunt Mail, and that is www.bigbuckregistry.com forward slash Hunt Mail. Well, I wanted to tell you a story about a antler that was recovered due to the hands of a few people that uh, started, I, th- I believe, with Ed Waite. Ed Waite from Buck Masters, the Master Scorer. He actually sent in to my email... Um, a story about a shed that he had scored and actually had been stolen from a place in Ohio. So we reposted it on the Big Buck Registry. And a few weeks later, the shed was returned, and it was due to the hands of social media. And uh, we're glad to help out and uh, recover, which is kind of weird. But, you know, we're here in New Hampshire, and then and uh, we're helping a shed to be recovered that was stolen in Ohio. So just a great story. And uh, just the people that were involved, Ed Waite, Gary Reisman, Mike Hanley, the Big Buck Registry, that's us, 
Buckmasters and TrophyPursuit.com. A couple of other uh, pieces of business. We have launched the Big Buck Registry Store. So if you would like to go buy or check out some of the things that we recommend online, you can go to the BigBuckRegistry.com. Uh, technically, it's BigBuckRegistry.com forward slash store, S-T-O-R-E. And you can see all the things we're recommending there and products that have been featured by some of the guests we've had on the show and just some recommendations for Father's Day and things like that. So if you're interested in seeing what we're interested in, uh, check out bigbuckregistry.com forward slash store. A couple ways you can listen to the show, and these are our two favorites. Um, I actually like Stitcher just a little bit better, but it's www.bigbuckregistry.com forward slash Stitcher, S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. That'll You can have a, a downloadable app for just about any phone, uh, iPhone, Android, whatever you want, and you'll be able to listen to the show by going to www.bigbuckregistry.com forward slash Stitcher. And there's always iTunes, which is bigbuckregistry.com forward slash iTunes. All right, so now on with the show. I don't know if you've ever heard of the family named Drury. I'd be surprised if you didn't. The Drury's have been around for a long time, and they're very well-known, arguably the most well-known hunting family in America today. It wasn't always that they're on the top. They have worked hard to get there. Um, They have done calculated risks. Uh, They didn't start out by wanting to become famous or world-famous hunters on television. They just wanted to pay some bills so they could hunt in different areas. And today, they're on the top of their game. Well, we got to speak with Matt Drury, and Matt is Terry's son. So you know uh, Terry and, and Mark from the Drury families. Well, we're going to speak with Matt, and Matt is actually one of the social media managers and part of the pro staff that uh, is in charge of all that stuff you get to see on TV and on YouTube and Facebook. And we're going to get to learn a little bit about how all that comes together and how they got there in the first place. So let's tune in. Matt, welcome to the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Podcast. How's it going today? It's going good, man. It's going good. What's what's happening with you right now? Oh man, we are uh, we're pretty busy right now. Actually, we're busy all the time, but but right now we're working on uh, our new TV shows that'll start airing in July, and uh, we actually just finished up uh, a couple things. We just released our new DVDs for 2014, as well as launched a, a new website that has a, a pretty cool new platform where you can uh, get everything digitally. We're calling it Drury on Demand. So hmm. we got all kinds of stuff cooking right now. All right, we need to talk about each one of those things individually a little bit more because I need to I need some details on that so that our listeners can understand how to how to execute all that kind of good stuff and tap into your your whole system absolutely now Matt tell us who you are as part of the Drury family yeah so uh you know Drury Outdoors was was uh, started by Mark and Terry Drury who are brothers uh, about 25 years ago this is actually our 25th anniversary they probably started at 26 years ago but um, the 25th anniversary from when we launched our first ever VHS title is, is this year. So uh, I'm Terry's son, and uh, I've been here with the company uh, for 10 years since uh, I graduated college and uh, just uh, been around for all the ups and downs since the beginning. Nice. Now, you mentioned VHS. 
that's like ancient stuff, right? I mean, that yeah, goes. Yeah, there's going to be some uh, some younger guys listening to a podcast that aren't going to know what a VHS is. I know, <laughs> much less a Betamax, right? <laughs> Go or, way back. Or yeah, or what did they call those discs that that became DVDs? What are they called? Oh, the, I forget what they. Uh, Oh, I know exactly right. what you're talking about. I can't think of it. But they were like uh, the size of a large dinner plate. Remember that? Yeah, exactly yeah. right. They were bigger than a record. Right. <laughs> Going way back. So uh, so you're you're part of the family, and you're kind of running some of the media side of things for the Drury family. But you're also shooting big deer, too, right? I mean, they, they let you carry go out and hunt on occasion. Yeah, occasionally I get out there. I mean, my, my main focus is the, I run the day-to-day operations for, for our company, and that, that encompasses anything from our studio here and, and production, which is actually my background and, and degree is, is in mass media and production, and uh, all the way to, you know, like you said, the digital media, the, the marketing, uh, all of our contracts with our sponsors. So I kind of handle really just about everything and, and let Mark and Terry do what they're best at, which is uh, get out there and hunt. <laughs> right. Gotcha. So you're the man behind the scenes. For all things Drury. <laughs> I'm the much. one that's held accountable. <laughs> oh, really? All right. So it's it's your neck on the line when things yeah, go usually. south. But all yeah, right. I get out a little bit, you know, when when I try to, uh, you know, I've got to try to find the time to, to do it. But yes, I do get out a little bit more uh, here in the last few years. And, and actually this past uh, deer season killed my biggest deer to date. Very cool. Maybe we can walk through that hunt in a little bit step-by-step step, so we can learn a few things about the way the Drury's do it. Um, <laughs> I don't know about that, but I can sure tell you a story. <laughs> that's what we like. We'd like a good deer story better than anybody. Um, so tell us about your dad and uncle. How did they start this whole thing? Well, it, it's a funny thing because Mark actually, Mark is 10 years younger than uh, my father. So he actually came to, uh, he was working for my dad's construction company. Dad is a uh, he has a degree in engineering, civil engineering from uh, the University of Missouri Rolla, hmm. and he owned uh, he owns to this day still a construction company. And uh, Mark was working for his construction company at the time, and um, you know he was doing the competitive turkey calling circuit and doing really well at it. And no um, right. he came he came to to dad and he said, hey, you know, there there's some some videos out there that are they're pretty good. And at that time, there wasn't a lot. You know, you're talking about the mid 80s, mid to late 80s. And um, there was a guy by the name of Denny Golvis that um, that was putting out videos that taught you how to call a turkey in or that the turkeys would come in and you would hear the sounds and, and, and all the you know, different sounds that a turkey would make or the vocalizations. Well, Mark decided that it'd be a good idea to not only call the turkeys in, but kill the turkeys and right. uh, do it all on video. So he came to dad and he said, Hey, you know, I, I think we can do this, but uh, he needed, a, you know, he didn't have the cash flow at the time, so they went in 50-50 and bought a uh, a camera, a Super VHS camera, and um, they hunted. Their first few hunts were in the uh, Ozarks, I believe, and uh, and took two years to get enough turkey hunts to put out one uh, full-length VHS title, and they called it King of the Spring. So that uh, came out in 1989. Interesting. The, now the yeah, dr- so it originated. They just really wanted to pay for some hunts too. I mean, they never thought that you know that they would make yeah. a you know big living out of this. It was more than anything is to get to go on these trips and pay for the hunts by selling some of the you know VHS back in that day. And and at the time, the interesting part about this was at the time the rental shelves 
that was a big part of how you, you know, got your message out there was you would sell to a rental store and then they would rent it over and over. So you would so you know, you sold a title, one VHS title would sell for fifty dollars. Wow wow. Pretty interesting, yeah. That and, is and interesting. The, the rental you know, the rental store would rent it over and over and over. So that's kinda how they got their start. Aha. Uh-huh. I, I did not know that about that industry. That's fascinating. Yeah. Um so I mean the Drewries are arguably one of the most famous hunting families in America today and, and maybe all time. And it, it, by the sounds of it, when you first started out or when they first started out, that wasn't necessarily the goal. The goal was just to, just to cover some of the expenses of going hunting in different states and travel expenses from the sounds of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You never know what you're getting into, I guess. But right. at the time, you know, heck, it was just Mark, he was really doing well on the turkey calling circuit. And he thought, you know, being in, the, in that industry, he was starting to meet some people. He met uh, Toxie Hayes and uh, the founder uh, of Mossy Oak. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, at, at that point, he started actually uh, repping Mossy Oak's line. And Mark was one of the top reps for Mossy Oak in the Midwest uh, for several years. He did it for, for quite a long time there mm-hmm. uh, in the early into the early 90s. And, uh, you know, as, as things started kind of progressing, Interesting enough, you know, they, they decided, hey, you know, turkey hunting's great. What are there, what, two, two, three million turkey hunters out there? But, but deer hunting, that's where it's at. You know, hey, there's 12 million uh, plus deer hunters. So, of course, there's going to be a more opportunity to sell these VHS titles. So, um, I think it was around 1993 they unveiled their first ever uh, deer title. And at the time, uh, Monster Bucks, which, which now uh, Realtree is kind of made famous, but at the time we were the first to come out with a Monster Bucks series. Hmm. And uh, the, the funny part about that is, the Monster Bucks back then, if, to make the cover, which is always the big deal, you know, to make the cover buck, uh, you could have killed a 110-inch monster, and that would have been your cover buck. So it was, <laughs> right. it was interesting, right. you know, to see the, the not only the company evolve, but to see how hunting has evolved and management and, you know, the caliber of, of deer that people really take um, take for granted what they see on TV. You could turn on two or three channels now and see, you know, 140, 50-inch deer and, and not think anything of it. But I think your average guy out there that, that's hunting, you know, small tracts of land, you know, the reality is that, uh, you know, 120 to 140-inch deer, that's a that's a mega giant for a lot of people, myself included. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, it, it took them a while to get to that point where they were we're uh, killing those type of animals, that quality of animals. So yeah. it's interesting to see how things have evolved. The, I mean, not only do you have to put yourself in those types of opportunities, but learn how to do it. Um, but it's almost like you have to learn what not to kill. Oh, you you most certainly have to. There's a lot to learn. I mean, they've made literally every mistake in the book, and they'll be the first to, to tell you that. And I think that's kind of the beauty of what we do at Drury Outdoors. It's not about look at me, look at me, look at me. It's about, hey, look at the deer, look at the deer. We tell stories about the deer we're chasing. You know, Mark and Terry, the biggest thing they have is uh, information that they've learned from literally being out in in a tree for, you know, 40, 50 plus years combined, you know. So that's, that's what we try to impart is that knowledge. And it's not 
some, you know, uh, a position where we're looking down on people. It's just because we've literally made every mistake you can and still right. make them. Right. And so we try to, you know, in our, our DVDs and our TV shows, we try to impart some of that knowledge so that, you know, the, the guy out there watching can take some of it and, and try to put it to good use. Right. Do you think it ever gets old for those guys? Well, that's kind of a loaded question. I think it's yep. tough because they they love hunting. They absolutely love hunting, and, and Mark specifically. I mean, that guy, just to, as a side note, I just, just got off the phone with him here. He started hunting March 31st, I think, in Texas for turkeys, and he literally just got back from his last hunt. I mean, he hunted mm. since March 31st. I forget, five, six states. I mean, he's been, he's seen more turkeys die between him filming them or him killing them. You know, he loves guiding people. He loves turkey hunting. Just, I said to him the other day, I said, haven't you got enough of it yet this year? You know, he said, no, I just love turkey hunting. So right. that that's a guy who the passion, and I think it comes out on, on video, the passion that he has for the sport of hunting, it, it just, it's, like something I've never seen. Right. Now, now, Dad, you know, being ten years older than him, I think he's, I think he's to the point where, you know, he had a, he doesn't have the desire to travel anywhere. He likes to stay there on his his farm for the most part in, in North Missouri, and you know, he's worked really hard to to work his way up to have the farm that he does, and and you know, he ma- he's got it manicured and he manages manages it a certain way. You know, I think hunting for him. The industry has jaded him a little bit because we we have a lot of obligations, and that's just part of it. I, you know, he would never complain about it, but I think what he would love to do is literally just sit on his farm and never, you know, never, never leave, never, never come off his property. Right. And uh, you know, that's because he loves the sport. But with it, you know, and, and the, the path we've chose, yeah, there's obviously some obligations right. that uh, that come with it. Yeah, I would think that the, the as as much as I love hunting, turkey, deer, ducks geese all of that if i had to travel all the time there would be i would be elated for a very long time but then i would think i would want to slow down for a little bit and just and have a farm where i could just manage my stuff and didn't have to go somewhere else so i can appreciate that i mean that's that that's kind of like how i envision that i could be completely wrong i don't know you know 25 years is a long time and it's not like in 1989 or 88 when they started is the first time they ever hunted i mean heck dad was in his you know early 30s that that was you know that was after they had hunted their whole life so you know that that's a lot of hunting and then 25 years you know in the last you know i remember in, in grade school and high school growing up i I just never saw that from november you know at the time they'd start hunting in late october early november and and hunt through December, but anymore, they hunt from September. As soon as the season opens, you know, in Missouri, it opens uh, usually a September 15th area. They'll hunt in Missouri from September 15th, and then, you know, obviously Illinois and and Iowa open up uh, October 1st. So, you know, then it opens them up to hunt a couple more states. So they literally hunt from September into, you know, January until we go to the trade shows, and then we spend a couple weeks, you know, going to the trade shows. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if they can, they try to get back to the farm and squeak in one more hunt before the season closes. But that's every single day. I mean, there's been days where, 
I think last year dad hunted 57 days before he killed his first buck. And, and granted, you know, they are managing at a, you know, a certain level. And so there's certain expectations. So they passed, you know, he's passed a lot of good deer up to that point. Sure, but sure. I challenge anybody to do something for 57 days straight and, <laughs> and not get a little jaded, uh, you know, by day 57. So oh, yeah. after 25 years of doing that. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, cause you're, you're, you're looking for that right animal. Yeah. 57 days of doing it day after day and not actually doing the final step. Yeah. That's going to be we a little mentally day. challenging. Yeah. We, we call it groundhog day. It's, right. uh, <laughs> you know, the kid, the poor camera guy is who I always feel bad for. It's, right. it's a grind man, but you know, that's the thing. It's to, to do it to, at the level that they do it and the degree they do it with consistency year in and year out. That's what it takes. And you know, it's as much as they love hunting, it, it is a job. And, um, you know, it, at the end of the day, it's, you, you know, we have obligations and, uh, they have to, you know, get the job done. So it's, um, it, it can make for interesting seasons where they get, mm. they can start getting crabby if things start going wrong. Let me tell I, you. I bet. I bet. Have they ever yelled at you? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> more times not as much anymore but boy when i was you know when i first started there there's a few uh knockdown drag outs my grandpa always said uh and the juries and the jury family everybody's a boss <laughs> <laughs> if you can imagine that means everybody's got uh you know an opinion and it's it's the right opinion <laughs> right <laughs> make the tough right time, but too many no, chiefs almost good, yeah it's a good dynamic it, it, it really is right um you know what I loved about Mark, and I've always loved this. He was the only guy that wore glasses hunting, and <laughs> and that I I've always worn glasses since like eighth grade in in uh, in school. So I always related to him. It's like that guy's cool because he's wearing glasses and he's hunting too. Yeah. Um, so just just kind of a I mean that's kind of silly, but yeah. Mark and and Dad both for the longest time wore glasses, and then I'd say about oh probably five six I don't know, probably longer than that six seven years ago. Dad got LASIK surgery. Yep. And um, and you know the the question I get all the time here, you know, through via our website uh, duryoutdoors.com, you can leave a comment, and you know I read all the comments, and everybody always asks, how do they prevent their glasses from fogging up? There you go, that's <laughs> you know, a great and, question. Uh, you know, and real, I've asked Mark a thousand times, and he said, you know what, when the heat of the moment happens, he said it's just nearly impossible. It, it's it's one of those things where I think. Interestingly enough, uh, Jim Tomey, who's a um, Hall of Fame caliber baseball player, he's hit 612 home runs. Yeah, fantastic Good baseball player. Ours. Yep. He hunts on our shows and our DVDs. He always says, you know, because we're, we're big baseball fanatics, St. Louis Cardinal guys, and he always tells us you got to slow the game down, and that's that's what he does in his end. Hmm. And he relates that moment of, you know, when the deer comes in and you got to make that shot, especially uh, archery because they're in so close. Uh, you got to kind of slow things down, and you got to think of what jobs you have to do, what what you know yardage the deer is at, what you know angle is he at, qu- uh, quartering away, broadside. You got to have the right shot angle, you know. And so you start thinking of those things, and you start slow to, slowing down your breathing a little bit. And um, you know, I think that's helped. That's helped uh, many people. Mark's one of those guys where he's got ice in his veins, man. He's had some absolute giants come in on him, and he's sealed the deal. And, you know, after that shot goes off, I think, I think all the adrenaline starts pumping, but he sure knows how to slow the game down, as Jim would say. That, that's a very good point. And, you know, just in this past season, every season, it always happens. You know, I'm working a, a, a turkey, the, the, the turkey's coming in, and everything's fine until I, I do a mouth call, especially when the turkey's coming in. Mm-hmm. And, and my whole 
set of glasses fogs up completely. Then I have to focus on pointing my mouth or, or breath downward to let the, the normal breeze just kind of take away the fog. Yeah. I, and you're right. You have to slow it down. Slow motion. Think it through. There's plenty of time. Yeah. But, uh, boy, you sure can get caught in the moment and accelerate everything, and it, it will screw it up. There's no, no I question. That's why people love hunting, though. You know, it's a double-edged that's sword. You, you know, that excitement's why you do it. And, yes. And uh, that's why you keep coming back no matter how old you are. That that excitement, once that fades, boy, you, it's right. probably time to pick up another hobby. Yeah, and it's that excitement that, you, that brings you back, but it's the excitement and the ability to control that excitement that is the challenge. Exactly. Yep, that's so true. Let's talk about your team that you've got on your, your site here. Um, I don't think we have time to talk about everybody because you have a slew of people on your team. We do, we do. That's kind of been our, I guess, recipe for success over, over 25 years is, is, you know, Mark and Terry, we identified a long time ago that Mark and, and, and Terry, they can't, they can't account for, you know, enough hunts to make one full TV show, much less, you know, we have four TV shows plus three DVDs. It's all original content. And so a long time ago, they identified, hey, let's let's have a Drury Outdoors team, a, 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 you know, some individuals that have the same passion. Uh, you know, they're located in all kinds of different areas, Ohio, Pennsylvania, you know, Kansas, uh, Minnesota, all over the state, Texas. So it allows us to do a couple things. Not only does it allow us to get enough content that we need, we, we call it the economics of death. We've got to have X amount of uh, deer kills to make all that content or else nobody's going to watch. You know, you're right. gonna, you, right. at the end of the day, you're going to have a kill on all those episodes. And we try to do you know, so to make that happen, we, uh, you know, we got a list of we, some of the best killers out there. And um, the other thing it does is kind of makes them all little hometown heroes. And, and, you know, when we team up with some of these great partners of ours, like Moss Yoke or PSE or Under Armour, you know, those pro staff of ours, they're out there at their boat, you know, local archery shops and ranges and all that good stuff. And, you know, they're, you know, they're explaining to people or letting people in on some of the stuff that we get to do and explain how they like the product and what it does for them. And, you know, I think a big misconception is, you know, you'll TV shows out there, and, and I'm sure some are, but we're not that way. But you, you know, we partner up with people when we believe in their products. And if we find out, you know, we partner with somebody and the vibe's good, and then the product isn't good, we're not. We don't stay partners with them. You know, it's 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 one of right. those things where we believe in the products we promote, and uh, we believe that they do give us an edge and help us. So it allows us to those, those team members kind of can help spread that message for us as well. And so. It's a pretty dynamic thing, and a lot of those teams have gone on to have successful careers of their own in the TV industry and, and start producing their own shows. Gotcha. Now, why the need for so many? Well, it kind of goes back to that economics of death. I mean, you've four TV shows, and that, and that's that's an internal term that we use, you know, it, it, just because, you know, we identified back in the day we needed 96 gear kills a year to make enough content to, you know, to get four TV shows, three mm. DVDs, and fulfill our obligations to our to our partners. And so to do that, you know, Mark and Terry aren't going to hunt 50 states. <laughs> you know, they're going to hunt three or four states. And depending on the state, they might get one tag, two tags, or three, you know. And um, 
So to, to get 96 kills, you obviously have to have a, a cast of guys that can help, you know, get enough kills to, to get that good content that people really expect out of Dury Outdoors. Right. I, I don't think that if they turned on the TV and you watched a 20, you know, 30-minute episode and you saw one kind of okay kill at the very end, that's not what people expect out of Dury Outdoors. They expect information. Uh, they expect entertainment. And, you know, we identified that we, you know, there's a certain number of deer kills. We need to be able to do that. Right. And it looks like you've got somewhere between 30 and 40 members. Yeah. 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 It's, it's down right now. We used to have a probably about 50 or 60 and in the last three or four years, we've kind of trimmed back and, yep. and uh, you know, uh, took a hard look at who's on and who's not. Gotcha. So there's Mark, Terry, Matt, that's you and Taylor. Who's Taylor? Taylor is Mark's daughter, and uh, she's an only child, and she's actually just finished her freshman year at Mizzou. She's in college, and she's uh, she's got quite the following, and and because she's grown up literally 18 years growing up on video, right. and uh, she is a flat killer, man. She Mark puts her in in the spots, but you know, say what you will, she she can always make the shot, and she she's got some of that ice in her veins that Mark's got flowing through his. Hmm, that's interesting. Very cool. It's an interesting dynamic. I think women in hunting, women and children in general. You know, our numbers are growing. Well, guess guess why they're growing? It's women and children being introduced to the sport. So people like Tiffany Lukoski and uh, Eva Shockey and, and Taylor, and they help to perpetuate that girls can do it. Girls can have fun. Women, you know, can get involved, wives, girlfriends. And um, it's a good thing. You know, it's a good thing. Hunting isn't the same as it used to be 25 years ago. It's it's not just for men. It's 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 a full family sport, and I think to keep our sport going it has to be you know and that's that's one thing we're proud of and taylor does a good job of uh helping to promote the sport yeah yeah that's smart and definitely you know we we spoke with lee and tiffany and, and tiffany was great she she basically was on the interview for the most of the whole show while lee was out um doing some of the farm work and he came in late and, and joined us later sure um tiffany here's a fun fact for you i actually edited tiffany's first two ever hunts when I was interning for Drury Outdoors way back in the early 2000s, late 90s, somewhere in there. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. That's they. We used to. They were at the time hunting with the Kiskis, who used to be a Drury Outdoor team member. They started their own okay. uh, company, and um, they had a video called "Whitetails Taking It to the Extreme." And we actually produced and edited that video for them and distributed it for them at the time. Hmm. And I was interning for for the company while I was in college, and 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 edited her first ever hunts. No kidding. So you, so there, there's a, a big connection between in the industry of the people you've worked with and the the Lukoskis. That's very interesting. Oh yeah, there's there's a it's a very very small industry, and there's a lot of connections like that. I mean, you know, a lot of people don't realize Michael Waddell was you know Bill Jordan's uh, camera guy. You know, he was in the turkey calling circuit. A lot of guys that are successful now, they've paid their dues and worked their way up the uh, the ladder, so to speak. Right. And, and I think that's something that gets overlooked. Like, you've seen there are 8 million new outdoor groups being formed on Facebook every single day, right? <laughs> and But you don't realize that in order to get to the top, there are dues that get paid along the way, and you form your alliances and your your loyalties and, and uh, work with other people. And eventually you make it higher up into the ranks. It takes a long time, though. I think, you know, a lot of people always see Mark and, and Terry, and they got these great farms, and they just assume that 
they always had them. But no, I mean, when they started hunting back in Bloomsdale, Missouri, which is where we're all from, town of 400 people, they, they hunted at a place, a deer club called the 40 Acre Club. You had to have 40 acres to, to get into it. And, you know, and, and when they first started the company, they were knocking on doors, you know, in Illinois and Iowa and, and hunting, you know, just by knocking on doors and, and getting leases. And, you know, they started leasing ground and started losing leases a lot. And that's when they decided to buy their first ever piece of property over in Pike County, Illinois. And, you know, it was a small track and it, it started small and over time things have evolved and they've sold this piece and bought another and maybe sold that one and bought a little bigger one. It doesn't just, it didn't just happen, you know, and that's, that's one of the things they, right. Mark and Terry are two of the hardest working people I have ever met. Mm. And, uh, they just don't stop. I mean, they don't, even to this day, I mean, Mark, he, he works with mad call. A call company he started in the 90s and sold. He still works uh, with them. And, and Terry still has a construction company. He still has been jobs, you know, every time he's back in the office. So it's, uh, <laughs> they're hardworking guys. That's that's intense. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a, still working a, a regular job and still doing this job, which is a full-time job in itself. Um, that's a lot. That's a real lot. It's, uh, they're just, you know, I think you'll find the most successful people like that, they're driven guys and, and they don't, they just don't stop their right. minds. It's when we go on a family vacation, there isn't much vacation being had because they're talking business. It's all about what's next, what's new. You Interesting. Know? Now between Matt, Terry, yourself and Taylor, who's the best hunter, best deer hunter out of the four of you? Mark, it's hands down. Mark's unbelievable. He's, he's, he takes it to a whole new level. They call him the mad scientist. His initials are Mark Allen Drury, mad. And that's <laughs> where his, his, his call company started out of. And, and they call him the mad scientist because he will think of things to get on a deer. I mean, it's constant innovation, constant paying attention to what, you know, mother nature's doing, what, what his reconnaissance cameras are doing. It's, I've never met anybody that's more tuned into a deer herd than he is. Sounds like one of those engineer detail kind of guys. He is. He definitely is. He's, he's, uh, it, it, you'd have to know him to know the level, uh, that he'll think the type of things that he'll think of to get, to get on a deer, all legal, you know, all within the letter of the law. But I'm talking like, you know, something that he started last year, which he's not the one that, you know, created this by any means. He heard somebody told him about it and he took it to a whole new level, but he calls it the tree koi. And basically he cut down a, like a, you know, a, a smaller tree. He dug a hole in, in his, in his fields kind of by his, his box blinds or tree stands and he put the tree in the hole and created you know scrape sites <laughs> for the deer to come to that that weren't you know they were hitting the scrape sites on the edge of the field but they weren't coming in the you know stand range so archery you know range so he right. started moving he did that in three or four fields and you know he killed several deer over them it's just stuff like that you know your average guy just doesn't doesn't think of or or want to put the time in to do all right and, hold on a second let's go back to that one second i want to get this straight so he's going, he cut down a tree, you dig a hole in a field, you put the tree in it, you fill it in, then you make mock scrapes around the tree? Yeah, you'll, you'll leave yourself a branch there, and he even goes so far as he'll position it in the hole, in the, in the, in the licking branch or whatever, scrape branch, he'll position it so that the deer gives him the right broadside or quartering away angle to take that shot from his tree stand. Wow. That, and, and do you put a tree stand tree there too or just no no not? he'll he'll well the mark and terry anymore they hunt out of a lot of, of box blinds big game freestyle blinds yep. or, or uh, man-made ones that they that they've kind of 
you know, created over the past 10 years or so. And he'll put the tree in the right spot to his either a blind or tree stand. So he, he puts the tree where he needs it instead of, you know, plant, you know, it, it being anywhere along the field edge. Interesting. So it's almost like an attractant, just the tree itself. Oh, is, it absolutely is a is. natural that's, attractant. It, it, that's exactly right. We actually, uh, mad calls, mad brand products. They're coming out with a tree koi. They're calling it tree koi like decoy tree koi they're coming out with it this this year this pro that product and That's it's they, fascinating they, you know came out with it. it's like a rubber kind of a rubberized you know tree base and uh it's got you know holes strategically kind of placed in there and you just got to cut some natural limbs from you know tree close and stick them in those appropriate holes and it, it's just a lot easier than having to cut down a tree dig a hole everywhere you go you know it's it's got a base to it but yeah it's pretty interesting he's always coming up with something what that's brilliant lee lakoski's the same way very engineer like detail. That way. yeah yeah yep. very interesting he's got that engineering background as well he's he does yeah chemical engineering Chem chemical engineering exactly so let's talk about you, Matt, a little bit. You have, on your Facebook page at DruryOutdoors.com, you've got a picture of you with a pretty impressive buck. Um, looks like you took it with a bow and arrow. Can we can we walk through that hunt from well, preparation hunt, to alarm clock? I'm trying to think of which hunt you're talking about. But on our Drury Outdoors Facebook page. Um, Under the team site. Oh, on our website yep. itself? Yep. yep. Okay. Yeah, uh, you know, the biggest buck I've ever killed was actually this, this, and I, I will rightfully say I'm still, you know, learning a ton, still learning a lot from Mark and Terry, you know, I haven't killed a ton of deer. I'm by no means an expert or, you know, I, I'm learning big time every day still. So, um, you know, the majority of the deer that I killed are kind of in that 120 to 130 range and, you know, kill, been lucky to kill several deer with my bow, but it just so happens I had a tough year with my bow. I probably hunted more this year than ever before and just had a tough season seeing deer, seeing mature deer this year and, uh, got down to the late season and, um, I was hunting over in Illinois in Fulton County and uh, had a, a gun tag, and it was the second season. And uh, it was the last day of the hunt. A front had moved in, and it snowed a little bit that uh, that day, and it got the deer up on their feet. So we got in early, and uh, we were hunting a box blind because the camera equipment, it was actually snowing when we were on our way in. So uh, to protect the, all the equipment that we bring in, we, we try to get out of the elements if, if it's possible. And... Um, you know, sitting there, and, and we're hunting a 60-acre piece of, piece of ground that Dad owns in, in Fulton County. And we got two kind of box blinds set up on it. There's two different elevations, a high part of the, the farm and a low part. And Dad's down in the low part on, on some cut corn, and I'm up on uh, a bean field that's long been picked over by the deer. Right. Not much of anything left on it. I think there was some biologic uh, maximum on that field as well. And uh, the deer, they start moving early for us. And, you know, it's 60 acres. I can't stress that enough. It's 60 acres. And <laughs> a deer pops out, and then I'll get two deer, then three deer. And I look up, and I was like, oh, I think I see a shooter. And, you know, this is December. I'm trying to think when I actually killed that deer. I think it was December, like, the 6th or something like that. I mean, it's getting it's getting to the point where it's getting to be the end of my season. And, um you know, so I, you know, when you see say shooter by that point, <laughs> all hands on deck because it's been a long year, you know. Right. So uh, we lose the deer for a while. He's got his head down. He's feeding at the edge of the timber, probably two two hundred yards away. 
and I'm, sh- I'm shooting a uh, muzzleloader. So he finally comes out. He pops his head up. He comes out, and uh, camera guy's on him. We got a good, good, good shot angle. He's, you know, broadside. I take the shot and drop him, drop him in his tracks. Actually, I, with the smoke of those muzzleloaders, sometimes you can't see if they run off or drop or what. But sure. smoke clears, and he's he's laying in the field. So he uh, he scored as an eight pointer, as a clean eight pointer. He scored a uh, 161 inches. So, wow. Yeah, my biggest as an eight pointer. That's that's huge. He he had uh, 25 inch main beams, and I think he had like 13 inch G2s. I mean, he was a, just a really really nice deer, and my my best buck to date. So, wow. It now, was a, it was a good hunt for me. Yeah, you mentioned you you identified the deer as a shooter. What is a shooter in your mind? Well, for us, it's different for everybody. It's kind of the, I, I don't know who coined the phrase, but if the spirit moves you, and it might have been old Uncle Ted, I don't know, but if the spirit moves you, he's a shooter. Well, for us, you know, we, we you know, Mark and Dad specifically, they've been doing it so long. A shooter for, for on Dad's farm is typically a four-year-old or better. We try to get into that five-year, five-year-old range. Mm-hmm. For Mark, I mean, it could be a five, six-year-old deer. He, he, his his biggest competition with with the white-tailed deer is that age structure to kind of to to let them grow, pass them. You know, if you see them at three and four, and and hopefully one day see them again at you know five, six, seven, whatever the case may be. So a shooter, you know, may not be a big scoring deer, but if he's got a big body, you you, you know, you know, you'll you'll know instantly that deer is a shooter. Gotcha. Okay, so it's it's a feeling, but it's also identifying as a more mature deer in the four to five category for us for us for yes, you but, yep but absolutely for right. anybody out there just whatever whatever moves you gotcha okay so that's just kind of your criteria but it's different in all parts of the country and every absolutely. every hunter is yeah different. we you know the other thing is we're just very fortunate to be able to hunt the midwest which is it's just by pure luck that's where we were born and raised you know in, in the midwest so right you know a lot of guys in the different parts of the country maybe the the south or the the northeast or you know that there's there's all kinds of subspecies of deer out there and not every everyone grows you know that type of body weight that these mid you know corn-fed midwestern deer you know can get to so um it's different for everybody but uh, you got if you get that blood pumping you know he's gotcha. a shooter and what kind of bow are you shooting i i have been the past two years uh sh- i've been shooting a pse um well i'm gonna be switching to a dna sp this this year i actually got it on order right now i'm waiting at, waiting to get it but gotcha. um yeah so uh, the pse is what we shoot in general and um they've been we've we've had great luck with them they they just they're innovators and, and they've been really good to us i've been shooting the pse dream season evo for the last two years but getting ready to switch over to the dna gotcha and how about the arrows Arrows, uh, PSE actually makes an arrow called Carbon Force, and we shoot um, Bow Madness arrows, which Bow Madness is one of our TV shows, and, and PSE and Carbon Force came out with a Bow Madness arrow, and um, I think Mark, I think he shoots 100s, uh, but, but Dad and I shoot 200s, so uh, Mark shoots a real light, real light arrow. Okay, and how about your broadheads? Now that we've been we've been really really proud to partner up with Rage for the last I mean it's been I think since I've been here ten years seven mm. ten years somewhere in there it's Rage is just <laughs> when we started shooting those broadheads those expandable heads that give you a bigger cutting diameter and right now we're shooting the Rage Extremes there I think they're like two point three cutting diameter 
We just have wow. had great success in our recovery. Um, not that you ever want to hit an animal bat. I mean, you know, you always want to tin ring an animal. You always want to shoot in the vitals. But, you know, bow hunting, it can happen where, you know, you, you pull or the deer ducks or, you know, and you might make a, a marginal shot, you know. And sure. um, our recovery rate's been really, really good with those rage in, in general and rage extremes here in the last, I don't know, two years. I think we were shooting the prototypes two years ago and they came out with them last year. Gotcha. So. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah. uncontrollable variables. That, that That's part of hunting. That's that's why it's called hunting, right? Absolutely right. I mean, you, you obviously want to make a clean kill every time, but sometimes things happen and and I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, to, to make sure, you know, hopefully you get, give that animal a, a quick, you know, clean kill. But if you don't, uh, you still want to be able to, to recover them and, and, you know, to get a good blood trail or, or you know, to, to, to give the deer a couple hours if you need to, to, to you know, expire and then, and then you know, kind of do a body search for them. I mean, Rage has just really done done a good job for us. We, gotcha. We're really happy to be with so them. So it sounds like, I mean, I mean, you always want to speak well of your sponsors but it sounds to me like the rage you actually like them a tremendous amount not just because they're sponsors but they're pretty good products yeah i mean you know i alluded to it a while ago we you know we strive to partner with the best of the best in all categories i mean right. we want the best equipment and it's not about a sponsorship amount or it's about the quality of product we want to kill a deer as bad as the next guy and to do that you want to have the best equipment if you can and so you know through time you know sure there's been a couple sponsors that you know you be you know you might use them for a year and you think oh this isn't quite what it was cracked up to be or what we thought it would be and usually those relationships you know we we get out of them and 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 move on and um you know the ones that have good quality products those are the ones we stay with and and there's been a a lot of a lot more of those than there have been of the, the sponsors that last a year or two gotcha matt what do you do for scent control yeah, so so just this year we actually uh, starting this past fall started hunting with um, Under Armour, and uh, you know they have that uh, advertising marketing uh, plan out there that says "Do you see green?" and they, they got this pretty cool technology that uh, really keeps you and your clothes. It's not one of those things where you got to activate it. You know, you could just wash it every couple hunts or leave it hang out to dry or whatever, and uh, it just it's absorbing, you know, your, your scent or whatever. So it's, that's what we've been using here uh, the last fall and Mm -hmm. it's been really working well for us. And, you know, we still, the same practices hold true. You want to keep your clothes scent free. You want to wash them, you know, in scent free detergent. You want to, you know, keep them out of uh, the kitchen, out of the elements. Don't, you know, go driving around in your, you know, in your suit, Uh, all that stuff, scent free shower. You know, we still follow all those, uh, all those good things too. Okay. So do you have a spray that you use too, or you just rely on the clothing? Armor actually has a, a, a spray uh, that, that that we started using last year, and it, it seemed to work really good for us. Okay, very good. Um, what about uh, boots? Rubber boots, leather boots? Doesn't matter. What's your uh, opinion? This with Under Armour, they got such a wide line of stuff. We they actually have a whole line of boots as well, and. I don't know what the material, what you would classify. The bottoms of them are rubber, but it's got 
and I don't know what you would classify it as. It's almost like a, a clothing type of material from the ankle up, but it's waterproof. And uh, they, they seem to really, really do well for us this yep. year. I, I didn't have any problems with any leaking or anything like that. Yeah, I've always liked Under Armour as a product. You know, it's, you know, it's our first time really, uh, really trying them out this past year, and I can't say a bad thing. I mean, I've really enjoyed it, and they, they I think the coolest part about Under Armour is that because they're such a global, a billion-dollar company, they have the technology, and they're making the technology for their other, like maybe football or baseball or, or you know, some of their bigger sports, that they can then take that technology and put it into the hunting side. I, you know, it's hard to it's hard to argue with, with, with that ability for them to do that. I mean, they can come up with, I think they're using a technology that they got from, like, the stealth bomber that right. it, it allows you that you're, um, if you're moving, it, like, heats, kind of heats you up a little bit or keeps your heat and keeps you warm in the winter. I mean, they got all kinds of technology. It's unbelievable. Yep. We, now, we toured toured their place last year, and it was just phenomenal. Did you go to the one in Baltimore on the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the place out in Baltimore. Yeah, right on the harbor there. Yeah, and it, it really, truly was very cool and eye-opening to see. They got a room, I forget what they called it. It was like their tech technology and innovations room or whatever and you know it's one of those things that you got to have you know certain supervision to get in it and just to see the things that they got in there and what they're working on it's so cool and and like i said they because they're such a global brand um they're constantly striving to one up the nikes and the you know those type of brands in the world and because of that it allows them to put some really innovative technology into their hunting apparel yep. and i think we all benefit from it you know yeah i've always liked under armor as hunting apparel because of the the wicking nature of a lot of the products that they have um the the scent control stuff that they have the, the you know the base layer stuff that's yeah that does a nice job keeping you warm and wicking away the, the moisture and also um, eliminating scent combined with you know those skin tight shirts that you get that are all camouflage too it makes you look better in pictures because it sucks in your gut <laughs> i don't for know you. it's hard to make us look better in pictures <laughs> it's funny because when we signed up with them they call their they call you know obviously they call everybody athletes when they sign you it's a, you're an athlete oh is that right interesting you know and it's funny because we we definitely don't consider ourselves to be athletes we're just some regular Joe Blows that, you know, love to hunt. And so right. they're, they're always calling you an athlete. It's just funny because we don't look like it when we get into that uh, right. base layer sometimes. What was it that John Crook said from the Phillies way back? He said, I think he said something like, we're not, we're not athletes, we're baseball players. <laughs> That's well said. Yep. Um, let's talk a little bit about the technology going on that, that you're kind of behind over at jewelryoutdoors.com. And, and the other stuff. What is this downloadable on-demand video all about? Yeah, it's something pretty cool. We just launched a brand new website that I've been working on with, with some partners here the last couple months. And uh, with that, uh, on the new website, duryoutdoors.com, there is something we're calling Dury On Demand, uh, our DOD. And the cool part about it is all of our DVDs, so since the early 2000s, we started coming out with DVDs, all of our DVDs you can actually download to your smartphone or your tablet, like your iPad, 
and and or your computer. So you can go on, and it's got all the full menu features, structure. It, it has uh, chapters, bonus features, everything. The, the DVD, if you were to buy in a store or from our website, it has all that content, but it goes downloads digitally to your smartphone or, or tablet or computer. And the quality is just unbelievable, and the features on it. It's just, it's. Uh, I've been really, really pleased with how it's turned out. And we're uh, partnered with a company called ROX, and they, they're the ones that have the technology that we're using and utilizing to bring this to our viewers. You think this is going to replace the DVD someday? You know, my thought on it, DVDs, and it's funny because the hunting industry, we've always been a couple years, I think, behind the trend. It's just the way it's always been for the hunting industry when it switched from VHS to DVDs. There were several years where we still had to make both for every title because some people just didn't want to make the switch to DVD yet. Uh, I think absolutely, I think you'd be uh, crazy to, to not think that it's it's going to be all digital here in a few years. Um, the, the big thing is getting in front of a trend. And it's not that we're necessarily in front of it. I think we're right on cue with it. Uh, but in our industry, I don't know that there's any anyone out, out there doing what we're doing right now. And uh, my, my big goal is just to set us up for the future and to be able to continue and get content to our end, end user and end viewer. And television is the big thing. Obviously, right now, DVDs you know, have taken a backseat to television in the last five years. And, um, but you never know, you know, television, you just don't know what the, the next wave might be. And I think, uh, to be smart, uh, to have your content in a digital platform on your own website, so you control it. I think that's, uh, I think that's the way you want to go gotcha. as a content provider. Why do you think there's been a downtrend in, in outdoor TV? You know, TV, I think that the evolution of things, part of, of the issue is oversaturation. Mm. And there's an oversaturation with, with the amount of networks. There's oversaturation with uh, the amount of shows. And when you get to that point, what happens is there's a delusion in the quality of programming. We, we always strive to, to, and I don't want to come off or sound as, as better than anybody. We, this is just what we always internally strive for is the very best, most ethical, most entertaining, informative programming we can put out there. And I think when you turn on the TV, a lot of times, unfortunately, you see some stuff that, you know, uh, I, me personally, I don't always agree with. It might be a shot angle. It might be the way that, you know, somebody reacts after they kill a deer. And, and it's to each their own. You know, there's so many personalities in this world. There's every show out there as somebody that thinks it's the best show. You know, a viewer out there that loves it. And, and that's the beauty of kind of what we do. But I think also that hurts us a little bit because not all the qual the programming is probably as quality as it could be. You know, if you got a, a little camera and, uh, you know, and a GoPro, you know, you can produce a, you know, a good hunt. Right. But, um, you know, that also makes it so that everybody thinks that they can go out and do it and do it at a high level. And what ends up happening is to put 13 original episodes out there, people start stretching their content and all of a sudden you might only get one killer show. All of a sudden you might get no, no kill on a show. And, you know, I think you can do that stuff occasionally, but I think more and more there's a lot of that happening. And I think that's part of the problem is that there's a real delusion in quality. Gotcha. Have you noticed, and and maybe it's just my television provider, but that there is a lack of HD um, 
television shows yeah. on TV right now. You know, the funny part <clears throat> about that is we have to shoot in HD. Right. <laughs> it, it, that's, that's the killer. It, it's such a complicated thing from the network standpoint. Uh, just, you know, just kind of some inside, you know, TV talk. Uh, you know, I, I know what the program directors at, at two of the three big networks go through and, and to try to get HD platforms. And, you know, Dad always complains because he still doesn't get Outdoor Channel in HD. I don't I don't remember he's got Dish or Direct. I forget which one. I don't have but it I either. Get it in HD. Yeah. yeah, and it's frustrating because it doesn't look – in this day and age, people buy big TVs, 46-inch TVs, 42-inch TVs. They expect HD quality. I mean, mm-hmm. everything's in HD. You expect it. It's something that right. in 2014 people – everywhere should have the ability to get it if they want it. And I think it's frustrating because us as content providers, we shoot it that way. When it leaves our studio, it's in full HD. The quality is unbelievable. But, you know, if I'm the end user and I can only watch it in SD, I won't. A lot of times, I have a hard time watching. I don't know that I watch anything that's not in SD. Now, luckily, I use UVerse, and, and it has a lot of HD channels, sportsmen's and, and outdoor channels on, on HD and I know that Pursuit just recently, I think they got in a bunch uh, more, or for the first time it might have been, they started getting in some HD homes. So, you know, I think it's tough because the TV, like Dish, Direct, those providers, Uverse, mm-hmm. it's big money. And it costs an extreme amount of money for the network to get them, to give them that feed or that, that you know, it's just, it's it's kind of a really political and it always boils down to money. But that's really what, what's going on yeah. is it's yeah. not that the content providers aren't shooting it that way. It's that the, the you know, the Dish, Direct TVs of the world, they're wanting to charge the outdoor channels of the world so much money that you almost can't do business that way so it prevents them from from moving forward and then you know they might sign a contract in 2008 that might be eight years long you don't know kind of the you know the behind the scenes of why it is that way but I, I know this that all the networks they're trying to get everything HD you know as they should but but they work very hard every day to try to, to make it all in HD right I mean I'm a I'm kind of a technology holdout guy you know I, I went from rollerball blackberry to iPhone um, and there was a bunch of other versions in between, you know, that I didn't get, uh, mm-hmm. HD is the same way. I held out on HD forever and finally just got it this last year. But then I realized how much of a difference it makes in the viewing quality, um, and your experience in my experience. <laughs> and I, you know, I've got, I don't know, 999 channels to pick from half of them are in HD, but the two that I really want to watch the outdoor oh, no. stuff are not. And it drives me insane. That's frustrating. That's very frustrating. And part of that, I, I kept, I always tell dad this, it's like, hey, you need to switch your provider, man. And sometimes people don't have that option. You can't in your area switch to a provider that has it in HD. And it's just, you can't, literally cannot get it in your area in HD. And there's nothing more frustrating. Right. I mean, it's it's their works of art when they leave the studio, I, I promise you. And then to watch it on an SD channel or feed, oh my, for, right. the, for us, it's just, almost makes you sick. <laughs> it's it, like, oh, all it's that gotta, it's got to be frustrating. Like. Yeah, because yeah, you guys are out there, you're shooting in HD, you're trying to make the highest quality video for your DVDs and, and that kind of stuff. But then the mainstream, and that kind of got you to where you are today in the first place, has not caught up to that. Yeah. And, it, and it's, I don't know if it's my provider, but I don't think either of the providers I've had, and I've switched providers from, from satellite to uh, cable, but neither one of them did it. And That's frustrating. It's very frustrating. 
Well, you know what? I need to send you some of our DVDs so you could see it how it's supposed to look. And that's really not even true HD a DVD no. unless it's a Blu-ray. Right. But it's still it's a big difference between watching a, a DVD than a than a SD signal right. coming uh, off a of direct TV. Well, I certainly hope that catches up. So you guys got some DVD DVDs coming out. Um, 2014 new releases pretty soon. Yeah, they actually just came out last week, late last week. Gotcha. Awesome. What what should a couple of things we should expect to see on those? Yeah. So the the big thing for us, you know, and our DVDs, TV's a platform. It's great. You hit more eyeballs with it, but you have to kind of shorten all your hunts. You got you know, there's certain amount of sponsorship stuff you got to do, and it, it just is what it is. But with our DVDs, it really allows us to tell a longer story kind of the way it's meant to be told. It allows us to, you know, there's no commercial breaks. It just, it's two and a half hours. Each DVD is two and a half hours of just nonstop hunting and information. And, um, you know, usually I think on Dream Season 17 and Whitetail Madness 17, there's 14 kills on each DVD. I think on Whitetail Madness 17, there's four gross boons. On Dream Season 17, there's three gross boons. Um, 100% Wild Volume 14, I think there's 17 hunts on it. There's a special sneak peek uh, preview at our new show uh, coming out on Outdoor Channel called 13. Uh, just a lot of stuff that, that we really can't do, you know, on our TV shows that, that we really get to dive into and do on the DVDs, and, and it makes it for a really, really uh, good viewing experience, especially once you start getting, you know, in the summer months here, and <laughs> there's a void of what you can hunt, and you want to get that fixed. Those videos really, uh, really help give you the fix you need. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you got to have the videos in the off season. It's funny, I, you almost end up watching more in the off season than you do during the season. Sure. Um, so tell me more about this thirteen underwritten by Un- Under Armour. Yeah, What's that yeah. All about? So you know, part of our uh, our partnership with them, it was kind of a hybrid deal. So you know, Mossy Oak and Under Armour are partners, obviously, and. Uh, Mossy Oak gave them an exclusivity on this brand new uh, kind of reworked tree stand pattern, Mossy Oak tree stand pattern. So on apparel, if you want this new tree stand pattern, you can only get it at Under Armour. And so part of that, they needed a you know really good marketing vehicle to get that message out there. And, and Mossy Oak, you know, has long been one of our best partners, 25 years strong. And, um, you know, they kind of came, everybody came to us and said, hey, you know, this is something that we'd really like you to uh, at least look at our products, see what you think. You know, hey, if it's not, if the quality is not what you want or need, we understand. Uh, we had a meeting out there. We toured the facility. We, we hunted a little bit with the clothes and, and uh, really liked what we saw. So the next thing was, okay, hey, let's let's devise a plan on how we can get this word out there and and it allowed us to make a new TV show, which we've been wanting to do for a while, uh, Wildlife Obsession, which is a show that we ran for 11 years. It was actually our first ever show on, on TV. It's going away, and 13 is going to take its place on the Tuesday Night Pursuit lineup mm-hmm. on Outdoor Channel, starting in July, July 1st. So July 1st, okay. The show itself, what we really wanted to do, believe it or not, we've never had a show where it was really just about Mark and Terry and and, and their full season. We, we usually have a cast of Drury Outdoors team members that make up all our TV shows, and it's something that our, our sponsors and, and we've got a lot of viewers that have always asked us to do a show where it's just kind of Mark and Terry season. And so this new partnership gave us the opportunity to kind of think outside the box, rework some of the stuff we're doing, figure out how we can make this work out. And so Mark and Terry, myself, Taylor, Mark's daughter, 
and then a couple good buddies, uh, Jim Tomey and, and Gary LaVox, who we hunt with quite a bit, uh, we decided that would be the cast of this new TV show going forward. And the reason why it's called 13 is pretty interesting. And we sat down, you know, as we as, as we try to kind of in the war room, try to figure out what, you know, what this new show is about. How can it be different? How can we change television? Which, you know, that might be a lofty goal. And, and you know, I, I don't know how that sounds from your end, but we wanted to do something completely different. You know, we just, there's a lot of the same out there. So Yeah, no, I, um, that sounds great to me, Matt. Yeah, I, yeah. So, so, so Mark yeah. and Terry, you know, we sit down, I got my laptop there, and we're kind of, you know, jotting out, throwing out ideas, everything. You throw out everything, see what sticks. No idea is a bad idea kind of thing. And right. we start coming up with ideas and, and, and trying to figure out how we can accomplish 13 episodes because that's what we produce, 13 original episodes, half-hour episodes. Lucky number so 13. Kind of, there you go. Well, it started there. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, you know, we sit there. And Mark's like, okay, let's do this. Let's break down the season into the periods where we think we can kill a deer. You know, they hunt from September to January, but when are they usually the luckiest and how, you know, how can they get on a deer? 25 years of history. We, between those two and our jury team, we have a lot of, uh, kind of a, a lot of stats to analyze there. So we start going through the numbers, start looking at stuff, and Mark and Dad sat there. It was the coolest thing as a, as a guy that doesn't know nearly enough about hunting and, and trying to learn everything. Sitting there typing this stuff down to listen to them spit this stuff out was pretty amazing. So they decide, okay, this, if Missouri season starts at September 15th, when does the movement when does the movement happen? How can you kill a deer during that first period of the season? So they identified the date structure. Okay, so really from September 15th through September 24th, the deer are doing this. They're hitting these food plots. They're hitting green. It's still warm. Uh, you know, this is how you kill a deer in that period. And we start going through the entire season. And by the end of January, Mark, you know, and I'm typing this as we're going, and we're, we're coming up with names for those phases based on what the deer are doing. And Mark says, okay, so how many, how many, fa- you know, how many phases do we have there? Light switch events where deer, you know, will do a certain thing that you can capitalize off of and kill them. And I count through them. I said, there's, there's 13, believe it or not. There's 13 phases here that you guys have identified. And, and granted, this is very Midwestern, you know, kind of Missouri, Kansas, Iowa, Illinois right. is where we've hunted the most. So that's where their knowledge is, is based off of the most. But there were 13 phases. And we kind of identified four tactics for each phase. There's more. that This isn't the, the Bible by any means. This isn't the law on how you kill deer. This is just their observation over, you know, all those years sitting in a tree stand of what they felt like the deer are doing. So we came up with four tactics that we unveil for each episode for that phase that kind of states how we can harvest a deer during that period, how we can kill a deer during that period. And um, the cool part about it, kind of the twist from a production level, you know, everybody always talks about Mother Nature. Well, Mother Nature didn't, you know, she didn't give us any rain, so my food plot died. Or, you know, it was really hot during the rut. Mother Nature killed me. You know, she's not a, it, it's not a, she's not a godly figure. We're not saying that. But it's something that people always talk about, you know. And and we thought it would be interesting in a way to kind of weave a Mother Nature role into the season. So, if the wind switches on you, you know, you kind of chalk that one up to Mother Nature. If a rain front comes in and kills your hunt, you kind of chalk it up to Mother Nature. Stuff that you really do, and every hunter out there does and says, 
you know, nobody's really identified that or given her a voice. So from a production standpoint, good point. That's a very good you know, point. You know, we we tried to. We found a, a voiceover person that we kind of identified as what you think of in your head when mm-hmm. you're thinking of Mother Nature. You know, and um, we've kind of written her from the voiceover, kind of the narrator through the show. And it's not a lot. You don't. It doesn't get cheesy. It doesn't get like, oh my God, this, these guys took it too far. Right. It's, it's, I could see how that could get out of control if you didn't do absolutely. it right. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's real tasteful. It's just kind of, you know, she sets up the, the, the episode a little bit and she kind of comes in, you know, in and out of the commercial breaks. But other than that, it's not, you know, it's not a heavy, heavy thing. But it's something new that, that nobody's ever done. And, and we're not trying to get cute or fancy. I mean, I think it's something that people always identify with as Mother Nature killed their hunt or they, right. you know, Mother Nature gave us a cold front. And so yep. we, we were able to harvest this deer. So, you know who um, I can relate that to, you know, or that voiceover as you just described it? I would relate it to the remember the the voice that came in and out of the Dukes of Hazard back in the yeah, day, yeah, like that. Yeah. Not too much, just a little bit to set the stage. About this is what they set the tone exactly. You're exactly right. So uh, you know that's a that's an interesting new element that we're going to put into the show, and uh, we are putting into the show, and something different. But at the end of the day, the show it's not about you know these parlor tricks and cute things. It's about the information and the tactics that Mark and Terry you know kind of have have divulged, and how they help us, the the rest of the cast themselves you know we don't always kill a deer in every you know somebody on our team has killed a deer in every phase but it's not always somebody from the cast and it's just it i think it's an interesting way to break down the season everybody always thinks of a season as start to finish but in all reality there's so many different parts of a deer season and what the deer are doing it's amazing so it's a new way to kind of look at it and break it down and as mark and terry always do analyze it even further right and that's important and that's kind of what one of the things we like to get here on the Big Buck Podcast is some of that information so that we can use it in our own hunts, in our own world, wherever we're at. Sure, absolutely. Right, it's so, always about learning. Absolutely, you know, constantly learning. Make less mistakes. I don't know that they, they think that they know everything. I think that they know how to avoid a lot of the mistakes that they used to make. You right, know? right. It's not, yeah, it's not, not so much that you're trying to be the, the success, but you're trying to avoid the mistake. Failure. <laughs> the failure, exactly. All right, so you've got 13 coming out July 1st, and then you've got the two shows, Bow Madness and Dream Season, coming out yeah. about that same time. Those are kind of some of our staples. You know, Dream Season is in its 11th year this year. It was one of the the, the first uh, reality programming in, in outdoor you know history. And, um, you know, there's a lot of really good kills. I think they killed Jeff Lindsay, Team, uh, Team Ozonics this year, killed a 180 four i think on on car 181 something like that wow, that's on a the big show. deer so yeah that you know there's just there's a lot of good stuff a lot of good competition there and it's not competition like who can kill the biggest buck it's competition as as in like these guys are out there they're f doing they're hunting as ethically as they possibly can and you know when they get a deer all the other teams are genuinely happy for them but some of that competition that guys have at their deer camps you know everybody has it there's a little internal competition at everybody's deer camp to kind sure. of get the biggest buck or whatever of course yeah it's just natural. Well, that's kind of what Dream Season's about, some of that camaraderie and competition. And so uh, the show is going to be really good again this year. And then Bow Madness is our all-archery show. It's in its seventh season. We, we produce it for uh, PSE Archery. And, 
you know, we got more big game hunting this year than I think we've ever had. We got uh, Jeff and Chris Propes, who've been on our team a long time, up in. Um, they went Alaska hunting for moose. Uh, we have teams in New Zealand. We got guys all, all around the, the, the North America. But I think the other cool part is we still bring it home, Midwest whitetails, just like we always have. And, and there, it's all archery, some really good kills. And uh, try to give you a little bit of information with the uh, – section from Pete Tip called Pete Shepley called Pete's Tips excuse me so nice it's, uh, yeah it's a cool it's a cool show and for that archery enthusiast um, you know that, that may not like the gun hunts necessarily and those guys the hardcore guys are out there like that uh, this is a show for them gotcha um, Matt being a media guy how important is social media for those guys and gals that are trying to open up their own outdoor um, group of, of hunters to maybe go to where Drury is now, somewhere in the future. Yeah, it's huge. You know, in this day and age, that's what people, that's how they get their information. Uh, it's interesting because when, you know, Facebook, you know, MySpace was kind of the first thing and then Facebook was the biggest thing. Uh, at the time, but when those first started coming out, I actually saw our numbers from our website start going down. And it, you know, at the time, you weren't really giving it much time of day because it was like, yeah, it's just another fad. And you, you know, a few years back, we started to probably four years back, we started taking it more and more seriously. And you know, really recognized as everybody did that this is the wave of the future. This is how everybody's getting their content. And um, so to do that, you know, you need to have a good presence on social media. We have a great presence on Facebook. We have 405,000 Facebook fans. That's awesome. Um, it's great. But guess what? <laughs> Facebook's changing their algorithm. They're, the reason you see stuff in your news feed, there's all code that's involved there, and they're changing it. And they're not allowing our fans, our 405,000 fans, can't even see our own posts. I think 1% of that uh, number actually sees our posts in their news feeds. And they're doing it on purpose. They obviously are wanting us to pay to advertise, mm -hmm. you know, all companies, all people. That's how they want, you know, that's how right. they get their, right. their money is through advertising. Well, so, when, when they went public, now they've got to answer to the... You're exactly Stockholders, right. exactly. You're exactly right. So, okay, so, okay, how do you get around that? Well, first of all, our fans hopefully are smart enough to to go and say, okay, I want this content from Jury Outdoors. I want to see their posts. So you got to go over to our page and, and, and say that you're following. It's not enough to just like the page anymore. you got to click and say you're following the page so you get the posts. Well, another way that we're identifying, as in most other people, is Twitter and Instagram. Right now, you can still reach all your people through those avenues. Mm. So, um, you know, we're kind of late to the game on Instagram. I think we got like 5,000 followers there. But Twitter, we have 33,000 and counting and, and trying to do more and more stuff. So um, for us, you know, personally, it's a way to get our content out there, get our message out there, and share with our fans, you know, what we're doing when we got the new releases coming out or the new shows coming out or, you know, our opinion is you always want to have a good message. You always still want to be ethical in what you're presenting out there because there's a lot of anti-hunters, as we all know, and you, you got to watch what you're saying. You know, you, you got to be proud of what you're doing, but there is a line that you can step over and, and, and you don't want to do that because it fuels a fire that you don't want to fuel. So mm. you kind of got to watch, you know, what you're throwing out there and you want to be respectful for our heritage and what we've done. And I say we, we as hunters uh, have done over the, you know, many decades that, that, that this small industry has been around, but in general, the hundreds of thousands of years that people have hunted, you know, yep. you want to continue to fly the flag high. Yeah. What about YouTube? 
YouTube, we've always had a presence there. I think we have uh, like 1.5 million views on it. YouTube's a, a strange thing for us because as a content provider, we, we don't have products that we sell. You know, so like Moss Yoke, their product is they license camo to companies. Well, our product is that we sell our content to the outdoor channels of the world or, you know, sponsorships drive that content. So to just give it away for free on YouTube, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Right. There's tons of people obviously use YouTube to get their content out there. And I think as a startup, it's great. But when you get to a point that we're at, you don't want to just give everything away for free because that's the way that you also make your living. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a fine line we got to watch. We put a lot of stuff up like through the season. We have a journal uh, on our website and we have videos on the journal. We call them the heroes. When, when the guys tagged and harvested the animal and tagged him and he does a quick interview, we put that up on our website. Well, we put all those, you know, a lot of those up on YouTube. We put a lot of like the Pete's tips and we had a biologic section that we did in wildlife obsession. A lot of the information, little kind of two, three minute clips, snippets. We put a lot of that stuff on our YouTube page. But when it comes to like full out hunts, we try to keep, you know, keep that on our DVDs, on our TV shows, um, you know, and it's just the kind of the, the model that we've identified as one that works for us. Gotcha. Speaking of this, all the social media outlets, how can our listeners find you, website, phone numbers, emails, yeah. social media? What are all those addresses? I think the, the, the easiest thing and the easiest way to get to us is by going to www.dreweryoutdoors, all one word, .com. And from there, you can reach our Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or YouTube. You can send uh, an email to, the to, well, I actually am the one that reads all the emails that come in off the website. So basically viewer feedback. Um, all that can happen through our our website. So start there and you can get all of them. We got a Facebook page, a Twitter page, a Instagram page, a YouTube page, the whole shebang. So start out at dreweryoutdoors.com. Yes, sir, and you can get cool. anywhere you need to get. So and just so the Drury is a easy word to spell once you know it, but it might spell differently than it sounds. Tell me yes. how you spell Drury. D R U R Y. Very simple. Outdoors. Excellent. Um, Matt, this has been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us on the Big Buck Podcast, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back again soon, and who knows, maybe uh, Mark and Terry will join us down the road. Yeah, I'd love to uh, get that set up. They, they would love to join, and I appreciate uh, all the time today, and, and uh, it's been, been fun. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Matt. Yep. Well, thanks again to Matt Drury for sharing his insights behind the scenes at Drury Outdoors. And uh, Matt, we just couldn't thank you enough. It's, it was a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show. And we certainly wish you the best in your endeavors uh, coming up. And uh, definitely tune in to all the new stuff that's over at DruryOutdoors.com. If you'd like to reach us at the Big Buck Registry, you can visit us at BigBuckRegistry.com. Uh, you can visit us on Facebook, which is BigBuckRegistry.com forward slash Facebook. You can visit our store, BigBuckRegistry.com forward slash store. And if you'd like to uh, submit a buck, go to BigBuckRegistry.com forward slash my buck. And don't forget about the Horny Buck Seed giveaway that ends June 30th. That's www.BigBuckRegistry.com forward slash horny buck seed find us on itunes at bigbuckregistry.com forward slash itunes and on stitcher bigbuckregistry.com forward slash stitcher that's s-t-i-t-c-h-e-r so this is jay scott from the big buck registry we'll see you next week can't wait <laughs>